This episode features conversations about suicide and addiction. Well, listen, man, I listened to this podcast um, and this guy said, the only way you're going to know what your breaking point is, is to go just past it and then to dial back. Yeah, you, know? you got to find it. Yeah, yeah. you got to find it. Because uh, humans don't like to be idle. Like, I think that's where a lot of anxiety um, comes into play is when they have too much time on their hands. So like to oh, think. Oh, yeah. So you become your own worst nightmare. Oh, yeah. When, when you get in your own head. Yep. That's what's so nice about just getting outside, going on a trail, getting you detached from that. You detach from yourself or just you can lose yourself in other things, you know? Yeah. My name is Andrew Bice. I spent the last eight years riding a swell as a special warfare combatant crewman. I've had moments where I felt like I've been riding on tops of waves, and others where I feel pinned to the ocean floor under the whitewash. I've held many titles in my life son, husband, father, operator. Join me as I venture into a whole new role, this time as a civvy. Welcome to Civvies, a podcast by MetroStar. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Civvies. I got a very special guest who what she's doing should be considered illegal probably in all 50 states. And I mean that in a good way as far as double dipping with uh, American Warrior Association well as Climb 4. So, Leslie, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and I kind of want to start with, before we get into those uh, the organizations and what you do and how you... Um, help the vet community and just people all around. I kind of want to get into who you are um, and what led you down that path. Uh, so you started in the Navy, is that correct? Yep, I was in the Navy. I was a damage controlman. I uh, joined right out of high school, so I was a barely 18. I went to a Catholic all-girl high school, um, so I was extremely sheltered. Um, it was college prep, like I have a twin brother and an older brother. They both went to an all male Catholic high school, the same one. And, uh, I was not prepared (laughs) for (laughs) in the least for what, for what I was getting myself into. And I I was led to the Navy because I really, um, didn't have any other options at that point. I sucked at school Mm -hmm. and, uh, did not do well. We all played volleyball. We're a volleyball family. My older brother went to college on a full ride scholarship, um, for volleyball and academics. And then my twin brother did as well in Denver and look out, I know. And then here I am, I'm like sneaking vodka into water bottles, like in a field passing out with my friends, like just trying to be social. And there was, I didn't have the slightest clue that life existed outside of high school that I would have to you know, fend for myself eventually, uh, outside of the, the shelter that I had from my parents. I had a really great upbringing. Um, and when I joined, I, my uncle was a 27 year, uh, khaki and was a corpsman FMF. And he, it was really fortunate for me that he was retiring as I was in a school. Mm -hmm. So, um, when I was in a school, uh, they showed me the list of places I could go. They were like Virginia. I was like, absolutely not. Yeah, um, of course, that's I think everyone's reaction. Like, no. Absolutely not. I'll never. Um, <laughs> and then there was San Diego. There was Japan, and none of those sounded good to me. And my uncle called, and he was like, "I have about three weeks of left of pool." for you. Mm-hmm. And this is probably the only thing I'll be able to give you in the military. I can get you anywhere you want to go. And my super small brain was like, Hawaii. I could imagine <laughs> anything better. And he was like, Hawaii. Really? I was like, yes, I want to do Hawaii. So, uh, he actually talked to the detailer. They got me on a ship in Hawaii and what my uncle did not know. And what I did not know, uh, at the time was that the ship that he had gotten me orders on was a newly integrated ship, which means that it was an all male ship. And the ship that I was coming into, I would be the first female engineer on the entire ship. And I would be the third total third total there of about 400 people. So, yeah. uh, I was introduced very, very quickly to, 
the hardships that women face. Uh, and I, and I honestly didn't even recognize as it, as it, as a, like, um, a struggle or something that I would be introduced to, but it, right. it was, and without even really getting into the, the grit of it, um, you know, a lot of people are talking now since the Me Too movement came out, even then, like the women were very, very quiet. Like oh. you never heard anything from the female veteran side. But then when the Vanessa Guillen situation happened about a year after the Me Too movement, yeah. that was when the uproar happened. Things just started coming. Right. And it wasn't just like sexual assault. It was grooming. It's like all these like tiny subsets of mm-hmm. harassment um, that people don't talk about. One, because they don't think it's as bad, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and two, they just don't want to start start any issues. It's behind them. It's it's not an issue anymore. It's yeah. it it is what it is. So um talk about a juxtaposition to go from an all girls school to pretty much an all male ship. Right. You know what I mean? Like from one extreme to the other. I mean, I'm sure that was that was kind of eye opening. It was. Know? And then um kind of what transpired from that, um, I guess was kind of maybe you weren't ready for, didn't expect, right? Right. So uh, when I got to this ship, uh, we were in the middle, we just failed in-serve, which is this huge um, uh, thing that you have to go through in order to prepare the ship for a deployment. Uh And so I had gotten there right when they had failed in-serve. It was all over the night in Navy times, like ship not fit for duty. And um, (laughs) you come to like everyone being like down and upset. Yeah. Yeah, People are staying up late, like not leaving the ship till 2 AM coming back to work at 6 AM. I had no idea what was going on. And, um, I got to the ship. I want to say in March of 2000 or February of, of 2009, And then we deployed in July and it was supposed to be a six month. It turned into a nine month. That's usually the case. Right. Right. That's usually how it works. And it was a counter piracy operation off the coast of Somalia. So we did that. And that is where literally everything flew off the handles. Like uh, for me, for some other girls uh, on that ship. And when I got back from deployment, I was just an angry individual. Uh, The way that things were handled um, without getting into it, uh, uh, the the support that I received was minimal and it was from uh, female leadership when there were maybe two at the time. And when we got back from deployment, we, uh, my chief who was a male, sat me down and was like, I don't think you're doing well anymore and you need to get off the ship and see what's going on. Talk to somebody. And, yeah, and he recognized something yeah. was going on. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's good. Which is a lot great. Of times that doesn't even yep. happen or it's like, just, Hey, get through it. Right. And I, I mean, I remember that guy fondly and he could have, he could have. Right. Kept, s- kept you in a bad spot and just kept going. Right. Which I've seen right. happen. That for sure. Yeah. yeah. So super lucky in that regard. And so they took me off the ship for about four months. I was at this little, uh, transient personnel unit. I was going to therapy. Uh, we talked about all of these things that had happened. They asked me if I wanted to stay in. I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do when I get out. Of course I want to stay in. When, when you were having these conversations, did you still have two years on your contract? Mm-hmm. I did. It yeah. was a five-year contract. So. Okay. Uh, actually had three, three and a half years left. So went to the transient personnel unit, got some stuff sorted out, got put back out to the fleet and they transferred me to San Diego. So that's how I ended up in San Diego. Uh, met my best friend ever. Her name was Candace and, uh, we had the best time. Like I wish I take that back because my life would be completely different if, and I, I just love the way that my life turned out truly. Right. Um, but that second command was the exact opposite of what the first one was. Like I had no idea that it could be that good. Yeah. The leadership could be that good. The men on board could be that respectful, uh, completely different. Is that um, wild to think about? So wild. It's so wild. And when I got, when I was getting out, um, I was asked to stay in. My evals were amazing. Mm-hmm. They, they were hurting for people in that, um, in the, the DC 
uh, realm. And the only two places that they would let me go if I did stay in, because I couldn't extend on my ship, was Japan and Virginia. And I was like, I will never. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I will never. So I got out completely ill-prepared and still very much not happy with the military. I'd held mm-hmm. a, a very huge grudge that that lasted way longer than it needed to last uh, and held me back from a lot of things that I, I could have been really, really successful in. But uh, ended up getting out. I stayed friends with Candace. She got out a little bit before me because she got pregnant, ended her term, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, stayed with her fiance who was actually in our, in our uh, repair shop together. So they met you That's know, on met, board, yeah. yeah. Uh, Matt, <laughs> Sparks her, flew. They did, yeah, and you could see it, but they were really professional. And then they ended up accidentally getting pregnant. And they had Benji, their son. Yeah. And he was just a, an amazing kid. And they ended up moving back to Phoenix. He got a job in uh, contracting, uh, renovation work for houses. So they moved to Phoenix. And, um, that was in 2013. And in 2013, that's when, I got out of the military, got out with like a, an F you attitude. I'm getting out because I'm, I'm going to make it regardless. You know, yeah. how bad can it be out yeah. there? And I just got mixed up with the wrong people. I started self-medicating, uh, you know, alcohol went to cocaine. I could, I would do anything I got my hands on. Yeah. Um, you think a part of that is trying to deal with what you experienced while you served. Right. Right. And I, I was one of those people that didn't do like, even when they offered to do the, uh, disability, uh, stuff, I was like, absolutely not. Like I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. And so when all of these things came spiraling down, I guess, um, it, it accumulated into a DUI. Mm -hmm. So I got a DUI. I was in jail. The job that I had had already written me up a couple of times because I was a terrible worker. I was coming in drunk or I was coming in tired. I wasn't paying attention. It was very blase attitude about the whole thing that when I got the DUI and I didn't show up for work that morning, that was like the final straw. And I knew that when I got a phone call after I got out, that I was going to be getting fired. Just like there was. Right. That's common. No, but you knew right, that was. Knew it. Yeah, I knew 100%. it. And, uh, my manager at the time sat me down when I came in and she was like, are you doing okay? And I was like, I'm fine. Yeah. Just complete denial. But she was like, I think you're having a hard time and it hate, I hate to do this. I, I, I really do hope that you get some help and yeah. uh, figure when it out. You, here's a, here's something to think about too. Um, you know, obviously you were in a spot. It wasn't good as far as like who you could reach out to, who you could connect with, like maybe even Candace, mm-hmm. like, did you just push everything or wasn't even on your forefront of your mind? You just push everything out. Or I do you knew, still have a little bit there just to kind of hold? I knew I had an issue. There was no doubt about it. I definitely, when people would ask me, friends would talk to me, tell me I was a little bit different, you know, and nobody was talking about it. Like nobody else had issues. So who am I to have issues, right? Right. And nobody talked about it. And this was in, this was like a three year stint of bad mistakes. Yeah. Um, And the... DUI and and getting fired was kind of like my realization, like, okay, like I'm obviously doing something wrong. Like this isn't just fun. Like in a way, are you glad that kind of happened as a wake up call? It had to happen. Um, and luckily I didn't hurt anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, I think how they found out that I was, that I was drunk driving, um, because I was driving well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or at least you think so. Yeah, yeah I just killed it. Yeah, but somebody, somebody flicked a cigarette butt out, out the car window, yeah. and the cops saw that and pulled us over okay. for littering. Um, so that's neither here nor there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but got me out of the car. I knew right then it was it was going to be no good. I remember calling my mom from the from the jail and being like, I'm in a little bit of trouble. Um, told her what happened. She was like, we're my mom and dad are high school sweethearts. They've been together for their whole lives essentially. And are, have always helped me. And, um, it was the first time I'd reached out to my parents and was like, you know, I'm going to lose my job. I'm, I'm, 
in jail. I don't know what to do. I need some help. And so they got me set up with um, a lawyer, all the whole nine. They posted the bail. I got out. Yeah. Like, it really, really helped me. Um, and when I tried to find a job after that, it was incredibly difficult. It wasn't like the job uh, market right now. It was very much um, impossible for me to get a job in that same kind of, um, industry uh-huh. because I only had that one job yeah. in that industry. Good luck and using them as a reference. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really good at it. I'm really, Call them up. Yeah. No Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. No, not so much. Um, so I started until I was really, really heavy looking into the job market and I realized I I was living off of my credit card. I had a $10,000 max. My my rent in San Diego for this tiny little shack shared with one other person and two bedrooms, one bath in Ocean Beach. I don't know if you've ever been there, yeah. but right in the middle of it, off Dog Beach. Mm-hmm. And um, that was $1,400 a month. Yeah. And so on top of all of my other bills and stuff, I was just throwing it on a credit card. Mm-hmm. like, um, And... I, I think I was, I realized I didn't really have a choice, but to kind of leave San Diego and get my life together. And I'd always loved hiking. I'd never done a long distance hike, but, um, I had seen something on Instagram, I think where somebody had hiked the PCT and the PCT was just at the border. So 30 minutes away from the start of it. Essentially that starts in Mexico ends in Canada. Yep. Okay. So I just decided I called my mom one day and I was like, I am the one that gives her the gray hair for sure. hundred <laughs> percent. I got all the tattoos. I'm yeah. covered in tattoos. Yeah. I joined the Navy. I'm got, I went to jail. I'm a criminal. Uh, um, and so I call her and I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. And she was like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm going to go hike the PCT. It's 2,700 miles. I'm just going to go kick rocks out there for a little bit. And she's, I can just, hear her voice and she was like when why can't you just be normal like um, <laughs> here goes like another crazy another where she just has to yeah. be stressed to death over me and um so I sold all of my stuff I sold everything except for I only had one dog at the time Obi and my car so those are the the only two things I didn't sell I sold everything else so that I could uh prep uh boxes uh resupply boxes um I went home to uh, hang out with my parents. My dad has a bunch of dehydrators. He's a mm-hmm, hunter. Mm-hmm. So he's got all the setup for, um, for doing that. And for resupply boxes. Yeah. How do you stage those in the right place? Where are you going to go? They're right. Gonna, so there's, you can't just get up and leave, right? No, there's gotta be some yeah, here. unless you have a ton of money. Like you can, you can hike into a town or hitchhike into a town once you get to uh, an exit point and you can just go in and, and buy all the stuff you need. Yeah. Right. Um, but if you're like me where you don't have like income, (laughs) um, you kind of have to think ahead of, of time. So I spent, um, from, I would say October, maybe September of 2016 to February, March of 2017, um, figuring out how I could work with the money that I had from selling all of my things, which is a lot of stuff. And then not having to pay rent because I was just couch hopping with my yeah. friends until I figured it out. And um, I realized that the the most expensive thing was the gear, right? Yeah. And then where do you start with that too? Like, you know what I mean? Like, right. Where, how much do you have to pack? What right. do you need? Right. Like, weather? And for a trip like that, you need like, you can't just buy like a tent off Amazon. Like you're going to be <laughs> banging that yeah. stuff up, yeah. right? You're living in it. So um, I posted on Facebook to my friends. And I was like, Hey, like, this is what I'm doing. This is the plan I have. I'm about to go hang out with my dad and make our own fruit, fruit roll-ups and, uh, <laughs> and trail mix and stuff. And, uh, I really need help. So if, if anybody has, you know, some crampons they can let go of or a sleeping pad or yeah. anything, um, that I could just borrow, I would really appreciate it. Let me know that post blew up yeah. and the, I would say 100% of the people that donated gear to me were veterans. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been out just for a little bit, probably. Well, I say that I'm going to say that for like 20 years. I just got out, man, but it's been about, I think six months, you know, 
And I've already leaned on and talked to so many people in the community. You could talk about all walks of life and mm-hmm. all different places, but it's there and it's strong. It's what it's awesome. It's right. a good feeling like, hey, oh yeah, we'll have each other's back no matter what. Oh yeah. Shoulder to shoulder forever. And these, these people knew they weren't getting that gear back. Like it was going to be completely demolished by the time I was done. Right. And so uh, about three weeks after I posted that, I had an entire living room of just stuff. I, even down to the boots, man, like somebody donated a pair of like eight size eight men's (laughs) boots that they could get rid of. And we had water filters to choose from a a ton of different sleeping bags, um, different gear for all of the seasons I was going to go through and all the, um, was the it, ecosystem. So, so now, yeah. So now you have the plan and yep. now you have the gear. Right. Is there a point where like, like, holy, holy crap, this is going to happen. Oh yeah. Like reality still haven't set in yet. Cause I'm like, you yeah, know, whatever. It can't be too crazy. Right. Like, right. I'll just do it. Right. I think it's, I think it really set in the first day that I was on the trail. Um, before I get into that, um, the, the idea for this hike kind of changed. So when I was planning this trip, and this is important for the start of climb four, um, I was, I'd been in contact with Candace and I told her, I was like, you know, I have to drive to Louisville to hang out with my dad and, and do all this stuff. And I have to drive straight through Phoenix to, to get, to my dad, can I stop and see you? Yeah. And she was like, oh my God, we don't live in Phoenix anymore. We live like three, three hours outside of it. And I think I was actually driving through Phoenix when I finally told her, like, I'm driving through yeah. Phoenix. Like, let me go I'm say, here. let yeah. me say hi to Benji, you know? Yeah. And, uh, she was like, oh my gosh, we're three hours away. If you can like take a nap or like sit at a coffee shop, I can make it to you. And I was like, oh, how about this? Like when I get back, when I'm driving back to San Diego from Kentucky, I'll, make it a point to like spend a couple of days with you guys. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want it to be just me driving through and hi, bye. Right. You know, I want to sit minutes. down with you. And she was like, she said, yeah, Matt and Benji would really, um, would really love that. And it was January 2nd. Um, I was about to, to make the trek back to San Diego from Kentucky. And I got a phone call at like two in the morning from Matt, her fiance. And he was like, are you doing all right? Like, are you going to, are you in a place where you're going to be okay? Um, and I was like, yeah, it's two in the morning. Like what's going on? And he was like, um, Candace shot herself and is dead. And I don't remember anything else about the next week. I, immediately got on the road, headed back to San Diego. The first thing that I I did was, um, uh, make sure that the command knew that we were a part of Mm -hmm. in 2013 together. Again, this is like three years later, a lot of people had already left, but I somehow got a hold of, you know, probably half of the command. We all met at a brewery. Everybody's handing me like just wads of money to, to send to Matt in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Um, Matt ended up showing up, which was insane. Yeah. And, um, we had a great time, like got to see a lot of people hadn't seen in a long time. And I have this giant wad of cash in my pocket, you know, they're like, wait until everybody leaves to give it to, to Matt. And right. When it's appropriate. So, when it's appropriate. Right, just- and, um, so the night ends, a couple people come back with me to uh, the house where I'm staying and we just sit up, we, throw a campfire outside and we're all chatting. And then eventually it's just me and Matt. We have a good conversation. He leaves and then I'm about to go to sleep, putting my PJs on. And I realized this giant wad of cash is still in my pocket. Yeah. And I said, I texted him and I was like, are you on the road yet? Like, I forgot to give you something. Like we raised a ton of money at this thing. Like, I just want to give it to you. It's like a, some help. And, uh, he was like, um, actually I, I got a, send you some money, um, while you've been preparing for this trip, Candace has been saving for you. Um, and he was like, so keep that money and and send me your Venmo or whatever it was back then. And I just like lost it. Talk about so much. Oh my gosh. Going on at one point in time. Oh yeah. Right before I was about to, about to head out. And, um, so then I, I think I had about 
three months left before we really started. It was in April, the first of April that we started. Um, I just had this idea, like Benji was tiny when she died and I decided to make this kind of like a hiking campaign for her. So I made these little like silicone bracelets, the hashtag on it had climb for Candace on it. And, um, I literally probably had 500 made and I would just stash them in my backpack and put them in resupply boxes anywhere I could have extras. And I would give them to each person that I met. And I was like, if you could just like take a picture with the bracelet hashtag that so I can find it. Um, and I'd like to make something for Benji for when he's older and, um, so he can have something that's kind of, of hers. Right. And that's what kind of launched the idea for how I would honor Candace after the hike. Right. Uh, That's kind of how the idea came to be is when I was out there hiking, my entire life changed. And, um, have you been this whole time? So once, once you got out of jail, once you decided, Hey, there's, I got to go on my vision quest or whatever you want to say, have you been clean this whole time? Have you been like on the straight and narrow? Yep. I drink, but right. Yeah. But as far as going like off the rails, that's kind of that's to the side. That was it. That was it. I mean, I even lost my job back um, during COVID. I was in uh, federal sales. I sold firearms to um, the government and department of Homeland security. I did all of that. Um, I loved that job, best mm-hmm. job ever. Um, and they let me go, um, during the pandemic and it was show business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was hard and I didn't, and I, I'd lived a life of luxury that I was nowhere close to being able to keep even with unemployment. So, um, even then, even with a huge, um, detriment to my income and my, my, my life. Um, I still didn't resort to, to that. I definitely kick rocks and and go disappear for a few, few days with some jerky, but like, that's about as far as I go with, uh, with, you know, people being worried about me is like, all right, she's somewhere in the Shenandoah. (laughs) (laughs) Put a GPS tracker. I just in case, but she's somewhere. She's somewhere. Well, I mean, that's, that's such a, uh, I don't say it's such a healthier way to, yeah. you still got to take time for yourself, just doing it in a different, different way, right. different capacity. Right. Um, so then you're on the trail, you're passing out bracelets. Yep. I ran into a couple different guys that were on trips through nonprofits. There was a combat veteran, um, hiking group that was out there. Yeah. They, you know, they applied, um, and they, they go through an application process and then they get grouped up and they do either the CDT, the continental divide trail or the AT or the, the PCT. And they get grouped with these guys and they have to stay together for the entirety. And what I, what I learned when I was out there is that your trail family, which is who you hike with day to day changes all the time. Yeah. Um, and people come in and people come out. It's like, okay. People are, you know, come in and do a section hike. So you're with a person for 170 miles who is just doing 170 miles or, you know, I started with two girls, one girl quit at about 115 miles in. And then the second girl, uh, got off the trail at mile 700, which is the start of the Sierra Nevada mountain range. And in 2017, it was literally notoriously called the year of fire and ice. Um, there were fires everywhere. Uh-huh. There was flooding everywhere. Um, and it was a, a super, super painful hike to do that year uh, on top of it already being pretty painful. Right. So everybody, your, your, your environment changes, your people change. Um, and you just get close to a, a ton of people. And I, I was lucky enough to meet this group and I asked them, I was like, how do you love it? Like, you know, what's going on with this? And he was like, I really love it, but I really don't like the fact that it's specific to combat veterans. I am a combat veteran, but I feel like, you know, um, anxiety and depression can be found in anyone in the military, regardless of what their experience was with it. Right. And, um, I kind of took a mental note of that. And, um, and when I realized what I wanted to do, I mean, it was just the exact, same thing that happened to me when I wanted to do this trip. It was like, I want to do this trip, but I have no idea how I'm going to get this gear. And it's like, let me take that financial burden away. Like, let me just bridge that gap. Um, and they can honestly do the rest. Like hiking is something that you do not need to be, you know, 
everybody's good at it the second that they start. Yeah. <laughs> All you're doing is walking, you know, just and you've been stop. walking your whole <laughs> life. Uh, so I, I was just like, that's, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. So, I mean, that's, that's how it started. It was, it was going to be called climb for Candace. And I talked to a couple advisors and different, uh, organizations and they were like, it, it sounds a little bit too personal. And I was like, well, it is. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the idea. <laughs> um, and he was like, can you change it maybe a little bit? Um, so that it, it can stick with a bunch of people. Right. And so I changed the name to climb the number four and four being, um, the four, uh, most important gear elements that you need to go backpacking. So a backpack, a tent, a sleeping system, and a cooking system. And if they need help with anything else, we obviously right. like reach out to, to different orgs. Like there was a guy that we outfitted that um, has a service dog. And he was like, is there any way that I could get some stuff for, you know, my service dog? He's going to be with me when I yeah. go hike. And we reached out to Chewy.com. Yeah. And we were like, hey, we got this guy. Um, is there any way you can donate anything? They sent him a whole getup, like a dog vest, yeah. shoes, like the whole nine. So that's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And then for this trip, was there was there like any moments where, you know, because he had a lot going on, obviously, but everyone carries um, their own weight. Everyone has a past. Everyone has demons just in a different way, right? Mm -hmm. Were there moments like on this trip where you're like, you have to face that a little bit or things starting to come out or was it just getting lost and forgetting that? I, That's tough. It is. It's tough, but it's not. It's, um, the people that I met out there, like you will never find a bad through hiker. Like, you never will. Like they just want to keep to themselves. They, they want to meet new people if they're, they're in the mood for it. If you don't want to meet new people, you can just get in your tent make yourself yeah, it is, it is. unavailable. <laughs> but if you want to chat, there are people at Tense the fire. Close, That's, yeah, right. Yeah. And, um, I think the biggest thing that I took away from the PCT just for me, like one of my biggest issues is that I do struggle with anxiety. Um, and I struggle with anxiety to finish anything. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, you know, went to school right after I got out. I, quit halfway through. So had half of a bachelor's degree, um, had nothing to show for it. Everything I've ever tried to do, I've quit right before the finish line. Yeah. Um, and so when I was out on the PCT, there were moments where I'm, especially in the Sierras, like just monster mountains you're yeah. anywhere from 9,000 feet to 13,000 feet back to 8,000 feet back to 13,000 feet just getting wrecked and yeah. it's like if you're not if you're not getting eaten up in the valleys by mosquitoes the size of your hand then you're like getting altitude sickness yeah. <laughs> it was like no comfort um and I remember like laying in my tent and I'm just shivering. Uh, we're at the top of Forester Pass, which is like one of my favorite places now that I look back on it. Um, and I remember being in my tent and I was like, I can't do this. Like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. And I didn't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I woke up the next morning and it's like, even if you can't do it, you still got 70 miles before you can you know, make that decision. And then by the time it's like, I just needed to realize that I just needed to give myself a little bit of time, yeah. right. To change my mind. Because by the time I finished the 70 miles, I didn't want to get off the trail anymore. My whole mood was different, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, and, uh, another thing with, with just being around people who get it without even you having to have a conversation with them about you're having a hard time. Um, I was in Washington we were about 200 miles away from the end. Yeah. And I got this sinking feeling that I just wanted to go home. Like, Oh my gosh. And you're that close. I was like, I've already done 2,400 miles. I can obviously finish. This isn't about to go back to the old ways. Right. Just I was banned. like, I don't have anybody. I don't have anything to prove to anybody. Like Screw I can quit all. right here yeah. if I want to. And I want to, so it's not because I can't. Right. So yeah. I tell my trail family, um, Hey, you know, we're in a, we're in a, um, a town resupplying and, 
I called my mom on a payphone, and I was like I'm just sobbing and I was like I'm, I want to come home like I've, I've been out here for long enough and she's like okay yeah. <laughs> come on home I'll pay for your plane your, your train ticket to get back to San Diego and then I remember going over to my oh and the reason that I wanted to go home was because I had a leak in my ground pad and we couldn't yeah. find it. Yeah, was he, <laughs> we couldn't find was he it. Was alive? Oh like, my God, right. it was terrible. I'd, I'd go to sleep with it blown up. I'd wake up on the ground just shivering. It's cold, yeah. Yeah. Sucks the heat out. Yeah. And, um, and that was like, that was my breaking point was a deflated ground pad. And um, so I walk over to my trail family. I'm like trying to be as um, happy as possible. I was like, hey guys, like I, I think I'm going to get out of here like yeah. Forrest Gump like I think I'll go home now I'm pretty tired yeah. um but uh I think they knew immediately that I was not meant to quit right there right yeah. and uh they were like well what's going on I was like oh well I got this leak in my ground pad and like there's nowhere around to like get it fixed I don't even know how to like fix it. I don't have any of the supplies. I didn't even go with a medical kit. So everybody has a trail name. My trail name was alcohol because (laughs) I didn't want to take anybody's band-aids, but my knees were bloody from just tripping and being uh, a complete klutz the entire time. Like I still have scars on my knees from just like tripping and falling and just eating it. Um, and I would just go up to people and I'd be like, Hey, I don't need your band-aids, but like, can I have some alcohol pads? Let me just clean it it a little bit. I I don't want to take too much from anyone. It's too much of a burden. (laughs) So bad. (laughs) Um, so that was my trail name, but anyway, uh, told them what was going on. And and one of the guys was like, come over here, let's go over to this pond and see where this leak is. And I was like, all right. So we blew it up. We put it in the water immediately. Yep. Immediately found it. Um, and he had a, a, repair kit and he you know he repaired it and I was like I really appreciate you doing that that's awesome but like I'm I'm still probably gonna go and he was like well you can't leave us like this and he had a plan in mind he was like you can't leave us like this like we can't leave like this we gotta have one more one more fire like one more camp out like why don't we just hike out three miles let's get a case of beer um, have a really good night tonight. That way you don't have any bad feelings about how you ended this thing. Um, we'll go to this campsite three miles out and then you can hike back and we'll keep going. And that talked me into hiking three miles more into this campsite, had an amazing time. We played cards, like, um, we talked, we stayed up super late. And then the next morning I get up and I'm packing my gear and I was like, thank you guys so much. And he was like, you're not going back. You're already three miles out like pack your stuff (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that was that was what got me through uh the next 250 miles so um was just somebody like seeing what was going on you started it now not like there's no way just another three like (laughs) three more miles just do just finish it yeah exactly (laughs) absolutely not you fell into the trap and you're out here so let's go we're going north (laughs) That's awesome. So then you finally, after everything you went through, you finally get to the end. Yep. I get to the end. Um, I go back to San Diego. I was dating somebody at the time. At the end, were you like, this is it? Or were you just like, all right, that's it. I'm going to go home now. Oh my gosh. Just took it in and like it, did it hit you then? It was like something unreal. I have a video of me recording myself, um, walking up to the Northern terminus. I think I had six more miles. And you can just see it in my face. I'm scared. I'm happy. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I still didn't have a job, you know, Uh, no prospects. I knew I was going back home to the place where, like, everything kind of came to a head and I I ruined my life. Um, And so I'm thinking about all of that. My mind's going, like, 90 miles a minute. And um, we got to the trailhead i have pictures of that i can't even explain what that felt like it was crazy it was quiet it was the last year that the original monument was at the northern terminus they were actually replacing it as i was standing on it so um it's a brand new super clean thing where the one that i stood on was like just falling apart weather to say the least Yeah. yeah and um so i it's kind of symbolic of that whole journey for you too like I don't know how deep you want to go. That day. That's like, <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> the old one's gone. And then it's, yeah, out with the old, in with the new. Exactly. Like the, whole, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. It was crazy. Um, 
So I, I get back down to San Diego. I'm there for maybe three days when I realize that nothing has changed in that city. Yeah, like not same. a thing. Everybody looks the same. They're doing the same stuff. They're inviting me out to the bars. And I just feel this like super low feeling. And uh, a guy that I was dating had just transferred over to Norfolk. And like, it sounded like you were like riding a high I had, was. and like you wanted the world just to be different with you. Yeah. And then you come back and the world's still spinning as it was. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And wasn't good. And sad uh, reality, harsh reality. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I'd been dating this guy before I hiked the trail. He had gotten orders. He was over there and he was mm-hmm. like, just come over here. You know, like it'll, it'll be good. We'll, we'll work it out. Ended up coming here and I, I started the nonprofit here. Yeah. So back in Virginia, the place you always hated, that you I never always thought you wanted to go hated to. And yeah. never. And I was like, well, if I'm like faced with like, uh, a drug dealer <laughs> calling me up saying long time no see yeah. or, you know, or like just getting in the car, taking my dog and driving across the country. That sounds like an adventure too, you know, and yeah. I, I'm not ready for the adventure to be done. <laughs> um, so I, I came here. Um, I immediately started working on a business plan. I have a, a really great support system of friends that have met me, you know, both in San Diego, Hawaii, you know, in yeah. other countries. Um, and there were, uh, there was a small group of people that had seen my journey from start to present. Yeah. And they were like, how can we help? There was one that was a project manager. There was one that was a, you know, a video sound guy who wanted to help with the website yeah. and do, you know, launch material. And, um, and it just, I mean, it was going to happen whether I wanted to or not. You didn't have a say in the matter. I had no say in it. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's how it started. Um, And we started, we got tax exemption in um, 2018. We'd applied for it at the end of 2017 and got the paperwork in uh, February, which is coincidentally the the same month that Candace passed away. Mm -hmm. And... um, I mean, it is what it is now. I mean, we've outfitted... 70 over 70 veterans we've had over 150 applications that's Um, awesome yeah so it's growing all in the right way yeah Yeah. for sure for sure you know it's crazy to think about too is i've met um you know people who went through the military they're you know you can come out like you know that was a cool experience it is what it is or you can have the people who are like that was horrible i hate everything about it but regardless there's going to be a point where like hey whatever whatever you take from it it's led you to where you are, no matter that goes with any experience or any, whatever you have, you know, right. take the good, take the bad, whatever it is, you experienced it, but look where, look where you are now. Right. You know, and the, all think the about, tools that you have and like, you know, I, people have a college degree. That's cool. But like the friends that I know that went to college never sat at an all girl orphanage in Japan and got to see firsthand what her community service work did, you know, in a a different country. And, um, you know, my worldview is, is completely expanded beyond that of what, you know, the girls in Louisville, Kentucky, um, who've never left that town, um, are, are even aware of. So, um, so yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, I would say climb four has, you know, even on times where like I've wanted to quit cause I'm telling you, man, you still run into people who uh, veterans who, you know, you got a good batch and you got a bad batch. Mm-hmm. There are some people that just catch you on a bad day or you catch them on a bad day. And, um, and there have been many moments where, I've been in a position where I was like, I do not want to do this anymore. Like kind of like being out there on, on the trail, like just being super overwhelmed and not being able to see past the mood. Right. Um, and being like, well, my social security is attached to this. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a choice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So, and, and the feeling always goes away. It can be stressful sometimes, but then sometimes it's completely, um, all encompassing, just super, super fulfilling. And for the most part, like 90% of the time it is. Um, and it is still to this day, a passion project. We don't take a single dollar for salary, um, for anything like that. It's all the funds that, you know, when you pay for their hat, when you, uh, donate a check, like it all goes back into outfitting veterans. That's awesome. That's gotta get you stoked. It's so, 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 so cool. And then as far as like people that go through the program, um, 
do they at the end, do they ever just come up and like, thank you. Like that's what I needed. Or you see something change, hopefully. So we asked them to send pictures and this is a national, uh, nonprofit. So somebody from Washington can apply for it. Uh, and we send them the gear in the mail. Um, and the cool thing about how this all comes full circle is I got introduced to American Warrior Association. This was right after I lost my job. I was a very good employee, still lost my job. You know, you can't win. <laughs> um, and then uh, I ended a relationship that was a long relationship. It was about uh, three and a half years. And it was basically simultaneous, um, these two events, and they were crushing. And yeah, one's more than enough. Now let's compound it. Yeah, let's well. absolutely. Yeah. It's like, you anymore you got you hit like a girl <laughs> but i'm just, just shattered just shattered um but uh that was introduced to me uh, right at the end of the breakup which happened after the the layoff and the girl who messaged me messaged me on instagram and she was like hey i'm reaching out to you because i heard amazing things about you uh we have a mutual friend and he told me that you would be the perfect person to fill this spot that just became open. We're a brand new nonprofit. We held a retreat in 2019. This was in two, end of 2020 okay. uh, or actually beginning of 2021. And um, she said, we had a person who ha was in this slot and they canceled at the last minute this is where we're going. She sends pictures. It's at this beautiful lodge in Colorado. They sent the pictures on purpose. So oh my gosh. <laughs> right. And, um, and I was skeptical. And I also, even though I own a nonprofit, I have never once asked for anything from another nonprofit. Like I've never applied to anything. Yeah. Um, and what, what was going to change that is who, what, who's the mutual friend. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that's going to say a lot about, uh, about the organization one and and two about whether or not I'm I trust to go right you're telling me I could just hop on a plane you're paying for that ticket right What's and I'm going to show up in the middle of nowhere and get trafficked yeah. <laughs> like, there's, there's a catch here yeah there's a nice catch try. somewhere yeah. right and um I said this all sounds amazing who is the person that referred you to me and the person that referred me or her to me is um a guy whose wife committed suicide we were very good friends in san diego mm -hmm. and we had this just like unspoken we never talked about it but they they passed away very very close to each other and we'd already known each other and we were kind of going through that grief together uh without actually talking about it and i'm still friends with him to this day and he knows the girl that was the business development manager at the time. And he was like, you have to tell her you have to, it has to be her. Yeah. Um, she's going through a hard time. She needs help and she's not going to ask for it. So just tell her I sent her. Um, so I was like, all right, here you <laughs> I'll, are. Yeah. I'll go. Yeah. You're going now. Yep. So I bought the plane ticket. I showed up in Cal uh, Colorado and it was 28 women which is a lot. It's a yeah. lot of women. We have now our programs are capped at 12 for good reason. <laughs> After that 28. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it was just a lot. It's a lot, it's a lot of emotion mm -hmm. involved. And then in, in three, you know, it's Monday to Friday, but Monday and Friday are travel days. So you got three real true days of like opening up, getting to know people. It was just too many people, but it was still regardless of that, the most transformative thing that I had done since the PCT and it was a different approach, right? Mm -hmm. It was like, you're not, yeah, of course you have nature as a, as a tool, but have you considered that there is a higher power and that there is something else bigger than yourself that you can lean on in times of hardship and all of this. And, um, I did not know that it was a faith-based retreat when I went. Yeah. So it was very huge surprise when yeah. I sat down and, um, and get the, the brochure of like the itinerary yeah. and it's like, hmm. we're going to talk about the, the Bible and, yeah. you know, 
uh, the prodigal son and all of this stuff. And like, I'm like, what is this? How to get what involved in is this? Yeah. <laughs> this is like my Catholic high school all over yeah. again. Um, and at that point I'd considered myself atheist. And I remember saying that to somebody at the trip. I was like, I'm, I'm so glad you guys are finding peace in this, but I've got nature and I'm doing yeah. totally fine. Yeah, they're like, don't you work for this organization? That's yeah, right. <laughs> wrong with you. <laughs> Seriously. And, uh, and a woman said something very important to me after I, she was like, well, what do you consider yourself? I was like, I can, I don't really believe that there's anything else past this. I, I think I'm an atheist. And, uh, she said, well, I heard something that was pretty big for me. And the, the concept is that there's really no such thing as an atheist. Like everybody worships something. And I was like, hmm. yeah, hmm. Hmm. whether it's money, whether it's right, you know, booze whether it's you know right any, pick your any, god pick, pick your, your poison god. there's yeah. something out there yeah we're all, we yeah all... you're gonna lean on something exactly and, um so that was pretty transformative and then you know some weird things happened after that program and i would be um not in the right frame of mind to assume that it was just coincidence that these things happened the way that they did um so before I went on that program, I had gotten laid off Sim- simultaneously. A, a Navy SEAL had committed suicide and somebody had reached out to me uh, two weeks before I got laid off and said, hey, like, do you have a T-shirt company that we can use to like do fundraiser T-shirts? And I just said, let me handle it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me handle it. Like, mm-hmm. let me make the shirts. Let me, like, I'll get in touch with the logo guy. Like, you guys worry about nothing. Like, right. I've, I've, this, got is, this is routine on. for me. Yeah. Um, cruise control, really. Like, let me handle this. So, uh, the, the memorial was just coincidentally the day after I got laid off. And I, I went to, it was a, it was a paddle out. And it was, it was just unreal, um, seeing everybody join together and seeing like, I was not in a good place and seeing like the hurt that everybody had felt, um, right after I got laid off, it was like, okay, I need to keep myself in a right frame of mind. They talked about God. They talked about all of these things. And, uh, we ended up raising a a pretty good chunk of money for this individual and, um, Right after that, we had been planning a a climb for retreat where we invited all of our uh, program applicants who had received gear to come to New Hampshire to hike uh, Mount Washington, which is like a beast of yeah. an undertaking. Uh, New Hampshire, like Northeast mountaineering is just like totally underrated (laughs) if you've never done it you should totally do it it'll make a man out of you um but all of these things started kind of like um piecing themselves and stitching themselves together my older brother is a clinical psychologist and when i was trying to make this retreat happen this was with climb four not with awa before awa i reached out to my brother and i was like i think i want to do a retreat and I want to meet these people. I never get to meet them. I don't get to see their faces. Like I want to see them in action. I want to send them through a packing training, like land navigation. Like I want to like get them prepared so they can do like cool stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, kind of feed off that energy. Like, right. And see, like I just wanted physical proof that these people existed and that they were (laughs) using the gear, you know, and, uh, and it was helping them. And we, we did a, a trial run retreat. And my, my brother actually, I, I asked him for his advice before it happened. And he was like, are you asking me for advice or are you asking me to help? Cause either way I'm in like, you want me to come Yeah. as a psychologist? And luckily we were in the middle of the pandemic. So he could do one of those emergency licensure things, you know, from, he was in, in Kentucky and he just, that to work across state. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So your license would yep. work. Yep. So because we were in COVID there were, there were no issues. He just applied for an emer- emergency licensure and we were able to use them up in, um, in New Hampshire legally and the New Hampshire lodge where we stayed, which was right at the base of the white mountains. Also where I learned to ski, um, is a guy who found us on Instagram who was like, Hey, I'm a property investor. I have a huge, like 40 person lodge 
that is free to you for four days if you can figure out a way to use it, which is how we came up with the retreat concept. And we did it and it was amazing. And I remember after it, because I was working a lot, I was like, I wish I could do more of this, but there's no way that I could do it with what I've got going on. Yeah. And then I got laid off. Yeah. <laughs> I um, see uh, a pattern here. <laughs> <laughs> so crazy. So then I attend this program. I meet so many cool women, all different walks of life, some women who've gone through some pretty horrendous stuff and then done some really cool stuff also. Um, and I kept in touch with the director of women's programs. Her name is Laura. And she reached out to me in the summer. So that was in October of 2021. And she reached out to me in the summer of 22 and, or I'm sorry, the spring. And she was like, Hey, would you be willing to come back as a volunteer? I was like, absolutely. I would Mm -hmm. love to do that. Like, let me help anyway. Um, after I went to the, my retreat as an attendee, I started church shopping. I hadn't gone to church in 10 years at least. And my life has just completely changed since then. And, um, so I volunteered for a summer program. And while I was there, I told Laura, I was like, I really love your, your mission for this. Like this is changing a bunch of lives. And, um, I, I, I really would suggest that if you guys have the funds for this and want to kind of help also a very niche group of people, but still a group that exists. Yeah. Um, I know that there is a need for expeditionary programs because I've outfitted a lot of them. Right. I know there are people that think that they can get outside and, and that, that just being out there can help them, but it can be really hard to enter the outdoor industry for sure. And so I, I just wanted to put that in your ear. And she was like, well, how about you head that up? Yeah. <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah. uh, so um, I did, I was hired on as their expeditionary program uh, person and I held two and then I uh, transitioned into a full, full-time programs manager in September um, and I've been working with them ever since. So, yeah, and awesome. what's really cool, cause you said, you know, do you ever get to see, you know, these people yeah, in I'm action? Sure. Yeah. I was on the first, or I'm sorry, the second expeditionary program. And I had remembered that some of these names sounded super familiar and I like couldn't put it together. Yeah. And three of the women on this group of eight were applicants through climb Four. And wow. I was just sitting there eating, eating outside, looking at Half Dome, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like watching them use their gear. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it really does all come full circle. And I've got, um, we're planning one in the Rocky Mountains this year in August. Um, it's already halfway filled up. That's and awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm at. That's how I got attached to both of them. And, um, it's been a cool ride. Yeah. To say the least, it's been a, it's been a ride too, you know, for, for you to have all those experiences. But I think with that, uh, you have the ability to relate and, you know, to actually go through that and to, to be able to share that and see it. I think that's an awesome place to be and it's a good spot for you. Right. Yeah. Um, and as far as, you know, people looking to either join or help out in any way they can, what's the best way for them to, to kind of look into that or yeah. where to find you? So for, for climb four, I mean, we're always looking for volunteers local in the area, um, to do fundraisers. So if you just hop on to it's the website is www.climb-4.org. Um, if you just jump on there and fill out, uh, one of the contact us surveys or, you know, um, that little bubble that you can type into, that'll come straight to me. So, um, that's how you can get in touch with me there. I've, you know, climb four has an Instagram, super easy to find Just climb the number four underscore. And then we're actually, if, if anybody's interested, we're taking applications this year as well. We just opened up in February. Um, and then for American warrior association, same kind of concept. If you want to go on one of these programs, they're for men and women, they're both separate. Um, so we have all men's programs and all women's programs. 
uh, if there's any interest there, you can just go to awa-usa.org. Um, all of the information's on there. They do scholarships as well. So um, That's if there's awesome. anybody who's trying to do continuing education, get their master's, um, there is, you know, the potential that they could get that funded through, through AWA. So. No, that's great. The AWA community, I think they also support, um, not just the vets, but any first responders, mm-hmm. that correct? Yep. Police officers, firefighters and trauma nurses. Yeah. I mean, those, you know, talk about jobs that are exposed to a lot of stuff as well yep. here in the States, you know? Right. That's awesome. Yeah. And especially in the climate now, for sure. Like they need a hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And what talk about strong community and, and passion. It's all there. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Leslie, thank you for your time today. Uh, to know that no matter where people kind of are on their journey, you know, as they're going through their kind of path, so there's people like you are kind of their guiding light, no matter how dark it gets, there's people, people like you that shine. So thank you. Appreciate that. And I keep doing good work. That. Thank you. Civvies is proudly brought to you by producer and sponsor MetroStar a global digital services and solutions provider. Life transitions are hard without the pressure of finding a new job. Veterans at MetroStar have built a close-knit group within the organization and are eager to help you on your new path. To explore career opportunities and life at MetroStar, visit metrostar.com veterans. We'll link that and other career pages in the show notes. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Civvies, presented by MetroStar. If you want to learn more about Civvies or MetroStar, just want to reach out. Check out the links in the description. I'll catch you all on the next one.